0: Welcome to What's Up With Water, your need-to-know news of the world's water from Circle of Blue. This is Eileen Ray McCann. In Uganda, national regulators are cracking down on the illegal destruction of wetlands in a bid to reduce flooding in the East African country. In September, the new head of the National Environment Authority indefinitely suspended new construction projects in wetlands. He also began prosecuting truck drivers who fill in wetlands to create new land for development. Until recently, truck drivers who poured the fill met little resistance. Now they face jail time. Regulators are keen to act because wetlands reduce flood risk by absorbing heavy rains. Uganda, however, has lost a large portion of this natural defense— in the past two decades, about 40 percent of its wetlands have been destroyed. High waters are also a concern in the United States, where a new mapping project in California has identified a neglected threat from climate change. The Los Angeles Times reports that researchers identified 440 toxic sites in the state that are at risk of flooding by the end of the century due to rising seas and rising tides. The sites are not just along the Pacific coast. Many are located along the San Francisco Bay, which is connected to the ocean via the Golden Gate. Some California communities are more in harm's way than others. The researchers from the University of California, Berkeley and UCLA found that communities of color were five times as likely as the general public to live near a toxic site at risk of flooding. Rising waters could dislodge contaminants and expose people to hazardous chemicals from Superfund sites, landfills, oil and gas wells, and sewage treatment facilities. In Virginia, state officials and conservation groups are celebrating a milestone in the massive effort to clean up the Chesapeake Bay. The Virginia Mercury reports that state officials marked the completion of a project to rehabilitate 438 acres of oyster reef in the Piankatank River. The Nature Conservancy's Chesapeake Bay Program Director, Called the effort the world's largest oyster reef restoration. Because oysters filter pollutants, they are a vital part of a healthy bay ecosystem. Under a 2014 water quality agreement, Virginia and Maryland promised to restore oyster reefs in 10 bay tributaries, including the Piankatank. The program has been popular with the public and Virginia's governor recently added an 11th river to the restoration list. This week, Circle of Blue reports on the growing water affordability problem in Michigan. As water and sewer service in Michigan become more expensive, the costs are demanding larger shares of household incomes. That's according to a new report which says the trend puts a growing financial burden on both families and communities, particularly those already suffering from poverty. The assessment finds that the growing affordability problem goes beyond the headlines of Detroit and Flint. Rural areas, small towns, and suburbs also have seen costs rise, though at a slower pace than their urban counterparts. Michigan agencies are preparing to spend hundreds of millions of dollars in federal infrastructure and pandemic relief funds, and the report authors say it's time for a deeper understanding of who is hurt by unaffordable water. Jen Reed is the director of the University of Michigan Water Center. She told Circle of Blue We've known for a while that particular communities in Michigan have challenges with water affordability, and we've known nationally, but we haven't in Michigan had a solid picture of water affordability across the state. The new report comes from the University of Michigan Water Center, Michigan State University Extension and the consulting firm Safe Water Engineering, and it fills in some of those information gaps. It found a sharp rise in the number of Michigan households paying more than 5% of their income for water and sewer. Adjusting for inflation, that number grew from 1.6% of households in 1980 to 6.7% in 2018, That's more than four times as high in just under 40 years. The report offers six recommendations for dealing with rising water and sewer costs and their consequences. In broad terms, they involve regulatory measures, things like prohibiting utilities from turning off water to economically vulnerable households and ordering utilities to report data on water shutoffs and customer debt. The recommendations also relate to government aid, including technical and financial assistance to low-income communities and utilities. Other considerations include forgiving customer debt and engaging communities in planning processes. Some of these recommendations have been proposed in Michigan and have been rejected. House Bill 5093, introduced in 2015, would have required water and sewer utilities to report annually on water rates, average monthly bills, and the number of water shutoffs by zip code and census tract. The bill did not pass out of committee. Utilities are in a pinch trying to balance the rate increases they need with providing services their customers can afford. Utilities need the added revenue to maintain their systems and meet regulations for preventing sewage spills and removing drinking water contaminants like PFAS chemicals. Still, they are not planning to spend enough. The report estimates a 20-year funding gap of nearly $20 billion. That's the difference between estimated needs and estimated spending. Reed said those are conservative estimates, but they do not include anticipated federal funding from the recently passed infrastructure bill. A state-funded assistance program could help customers with high bills while allowing utilities to make needed investments, but it would come with a cost. The report estimates that reducing high water bills to a more manageable level would cost Michigan between $78 million and $146 million each year, depending on how unaffordable is defined. The rising cost of water and sewer service is a problem that extends beyond Michigan. A national affordability study found that some households in the lowest quarter of the income distribution spectrum paid an average of about 12 percent of their disposable income on water and sewer in 2019, and that number reflects an increase of a point and a half from the previous two years. Disposable income was defined as the money left after paying for taxes, housing, health care, food, and home energy. The concept of water affordability has broadened in recent years, Regulators and public interest groups were initially concerned about community-level affordability, whether a town's residents as a whole could raise enough money to operate and maintain their systems while meeting all water quality standards. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency requires a community affordability analysis when utilities assess the cost of controlling sewage pollution. Community-level affordability remains a challenge. For example, Benton Harbor is a low-income, majority black community dealing with a declining population and high levels of lead in its drinking water. Its struggles illustrate the health consequences of inadequate funding for system maintenance. In addition to worries about communities being unable to maintain their infrastructure – a new concern has emerged. Whether individual households can afford their water and sewer bills. For years, water rates were low enough that the cost of service was a negligible fraction of a household's monthly budget. But in the last two decades, rates for water have gone up faster than rate increases for other essential services like broadband and energy. Water utilities have been forced to confront a backlog of pipe repairs and treatment plant upgrades. At the same time, incomes for people at the bottom of the economic ladder have largely stagnated in purchasing power since the 1970s, adding financial strain along with the rising cost of housing, health care and other necessities. Despite growing attention to affordability, both in Michigan and nationally, there is no general agreement on how affordability should be defined. Is a water and sewer bill equal to 3% of household income too much? Is 4% or 5%? Manny Teodoro is an associate professor at the University of Wisconsin-Madison who researches water policy. He says the threshold for an affordable water bill is something that each community needs to determine for itself. Economic conditions in Detroit are not the same as in Denver or Dallas. On that point, the authors of the new water report seem to agree. Reed of the University of Michigan said that the report authors did not weigh in on where to draw the affordability line because financial circumstances vary significantly between households and communities. She said that the definition needs to be a public process among community groups, utilities and the state. And that's What's Up With Water from Circle of Blue, which relies more than ever on your support. Right now, your tax-deductible gift goes twice as far thanks to Newsmatch. It's a challenge grant matching your one-time or monthly donation, dollar for dollar. It's a limited-time offer, so find out more and make a difference at circleofblue.org. This is Eileen Ray McCann. Thanks for being here for us.